Welcome to Review the Future, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the impact of technology on culture. I'm Ted Cover. I'm John Perry. And today we're asking the question, what's the future of television? So I just want to quickly define what I'm talking about when I say television, because obviously that is a, a big, broad word with a lot of different meanings. First off, obviously I'm talking about video media, and I'm talking about video media that's released on a schedule and structured into seasons of episodes. And the, those seasons are usually produced all at once. So that dif- distinguishes it from cinema, where you usually do a one-off at a time, even if they're in uh, a sequence. The, the other things that I think uh, are have to be included in this definition of television are that it's intended for view on a large screen uh, at home, uh, which is to say it's not made specifically for the cell phone or made specifically to be multi-platform. Although certainly a lot of people just watch on their laptop. Uh, that's not that to say people don't like watch television. them on other screens, uh, of course, but uh, that the primary methodology of production is geared toward uh, it working on okay. a large screen. And then the other thing that I, I'd say is that it's uh, a format that is based on the concept of flow or keeping the viewer enthralled. Right. So right. Okay. Um, this is this is uh, something that's very fuzzy because uh, how well you're, uh, do, you know, doing flow is very subjective. Well, and I think this is something that has been getting lost online because I think right. one of the natural advantages that television had that I don't think was totally obvious. Right. Is how it works as a passive experience. Right. So, you know, people I mean. A lot of the push for the future of television has always been towards giving the user more control, more options, right. more power. Video on demand, you press a button and something plays. Right, but that means more decisions to make. And your sort of prototypical TV viewer who's just gotten home from a long day of work and maybe doesn't want to make any decisions. Maybe they want stuff to wash over them, you know? Sure. And uh, there's, I think, potential to do that actually better than in the past with these, you know, recommendation algorithms and stuff that we have. But really, uh, I think a lot of the actual direction that TV's moved is towards actually, you know, putting the user more in the driver's seat and sort of de-emphasizing the flow in a lot of cases. Right, right. right. Well, early online video definitely had basically no flow. And as um, uh, VOD has taken off through the cable systems we see more downtime after like the thing you're watching finishes while you choose the next thing and i think that's starting to slowly get fixed so that's something that defines television for me even when uh you might be experiencing that television through something other than your tv set like over your tablet or your phone or something uh so i just wanted to to use that definition to define this away from just saying all uh all video content like there's tons of online video that's just uh, video of your cat doing something funny or a dancing chicken or it has some other purpose other than to just keep you watching the television. Right, like a dog barking the national anthem or something in some funny video doesn't count. To me, right? that doesn't count, even though that's obviously that's video media and that's, you know, um, that's out there in the world. I'm not considering that television. So I want to make a prediction about the future of television. This is my definition of uh, flow-based, um, uh, serialized, basically video media television. Um I predict that this uh, this institution will continue to exist for at least uh, another like nine years or so until 2023. And the reason that I'm making that particular date as my prediction is because that's when current NFL existing uh, exclusivity contracts expire. 
And I think, you know, this is based on a, an irreducible scarcity, which is the value of live spontaneous dissemination of sporting event, not just results, but activity. And uh, experiencing this live and on time as it's played is of great value to many people. The game inherently has less value, like when you watch it later and it's taped and like everybody else in the world already knows the results. Uh, like, especially now with global communications networks, it's actually even more valuable to watch it as it happens because your chances of having it spoiled for you are, are even higher. And even if it's before. not, I think there's a sense that you're just kind of like not watching the thing unfolding anymore. There's something Correct. lost, I think. There is something major lost, I think, for a, a lot of people. They really feel like their fandom depends on watching the team uh, perform in real time. F so for 10 years, I think... Uh, despite the drastic technological change I believe we're going to experience in the next 10 years, I think uh, we're going to see this particular scarcity because of the existing contract and because of the value of the live spontaneous uh, dissemination, this scarcity is going to continue. Um, and the, the result of that is that uh, this, the current situation is going to continue where the, the revenue from all the people who love sports it's not just NFL, but all of the sports, uh, the major sports, obviously. Uh, but NFL is the biggest here in the U.S. Uh, that those people will subsidize all the other content that's being produced for television. So when people talk today about there being a golden age of television, started about you know five or ten years ago, uh, and it's just been getting sort of better and better as the uh, film industry has been shrinking, the the television industry has been growing. The reason that that's been happening is because these bundled sports packages uh, subsidize all these extra channels, and then those channels have to fill time. And so they can produce a lot of content with relatively low expectations of viewership. That's interesting. Can I just yeah. posit another theory? I mean, I, sure. I haven't done as much thinking about this as you have, but mm -hmm. I think that uh, I always assume that the reason that it seems like television is rising and cinema is falling uh, is because the serial nature of television is just a better business model in a digital environment where uh, you have basically, you know, information is cheap, but attention is expensive. Right? Sure. And where building audiences really pays off because you build up those uh, loyalty groups and you have contact with well, them. You, you have a release schedule and right. every time you release a new episode, you have a new chance to capture audience attention. Sure. You have a new monetization point sure. to extract value from them. And uh, as opposed to like a one-off uh, movie or something. Now, you, that movie, Correct. of course, then gets, you know... Well, you're absolutely right. That's um, a major advantage of television over uh, traditional uh, cinema. And cinemas, of course, reacted to that too. And the way they've reacted to that is by, you know, massively serializing cinema and, and turning it into these sequel... Uh, sure. farms uh, franchise films is what they call them right so and that's a way to try to d get some of that monetization in the cinema model although it's obviously imperfect because you're trying to force a serialized model onto fundamentally one-off productions um, and, and there's a lot of problems that happen from that uh, but yes you're right that's another reason why uh, television is is uh, doing well now but uh, if you look at the actual viewership, and um, I, I don't have numbers in front of me for this, but uh, I'll, I'll look around and maybe I can link some. Uh, ratings on television uh, do not justify uh, what, we, what we would consider the good television. The television shows that I like and that win Emmys are not... They're not making money? Making money in the traditional sure. sense. They are subsidized by the fees that get paid to 
uh, ESPN and to HBO for uh, boxing matches and for things of that nature. And that's where television makes its, uh, its bulk of its money. Well, because they're bundled up. And right? it bundles it up. Right, exactly. It bundles it up and it makes you pay for all of it. And that, uh, there's a certain, um, you know, there's a certain indirect subsidy that then happens uh, where uh, the things that are popular pay for the things that uh, garner prestige. And uh, the things that uh, are profitable that are not that popular are things that are very cheap. So the, thing, the other thing that's very profitable besides sports is things like reality television uh, that are very cheap to produce and therefore they don't have to get a lot of ratings to, to go black. Um, but uh, so those, those are... Um, those subsidies are stable because the sports are uh, locked in and content itself is getting cheaper to produce. Uh, you're absolutely right that serial content is uh, easier to market. Uh, and in general, audiences for television are growing as more people can afford various devices to watch this television content on. So we're seeing a lot of reasons why we might expect this golden age of television to continue. Uh, and we might expect uh, television to continue to grow as a uh, as an employer of of uh, you know artistic folks, uh, now there are a few things that I think I can think of off the top of my head that might make this not happen. There's some defeaters that I thought of, uh, so I wanted to bring them up. Um, and uh, there might be more, obviously. So if you can think of something uh, I didn't think of, uh, okay, let me know. But um, the first one I can think of is uh, surveillance uh, and and the sort of flip side of that being piracy. So as technology changes over the next ten years, uh, uh, sensors are going to get easier uh, and cheaper to have on your person, um, and you might be able to uh, pirate the the live sports games that are driving, you know. Uh, television's okay. so, revenues so if you could access a million different life logging feeds of people and exactly. well, not a million but a but lot only need of different a few, people right? in the audience yep. right with mm -hmm. different angles on the game then you could you know maybe a computer could recreate the game in something close to real time and make it available for people who you know uh want to you know only a few seconds delay or something now i mean inside the stadium they're going to try to keep that technology out yes right? and well and this is the part where i think they probably will fail i don't think they'll be very uh, effective at keeping the technology out as it gets smaller and harder to detect. Um, the, what I, what, the reason I'm not that worried about this defeater is that right now, live sports photography is just like the technological vanguard of photography. Like they do things first uh, and, and expensively because they have the money and because they have the audience and, you know, uh, the, the things that they can do, they, they're embedding, you know, RFID chips in the ball to keep the ball constantly in focus. Uh, they're doing all kinds of really interesting things with technology uh, in sports photography. Well, and eventually um, cameras on the players. I think they've done some of that, right? They've done some of that already. Yeah. So uh, my guess is that even though, yes, there'll be lots of sensors in the stands, uh, you know, and maybe your glass, uh, you know, version six uh, uh, camera can take a really good picture from the nosebleed seats. But I think the like hundreds or thousands of specialized cameras that they've got on the field, in the ball, on the players, in the goal That's going to be a better viewing experience. Flying yeah. in drones over the field, you know, tagged to RF chips in the ball, uh, what have you, are going to give you just so much better experience um, that, uh, that uh, they are just... They're going to be able to compete. Well, basically. they're also adding a ton of value in the in terms of like commentary and statistics and scores projected on the screen and stuff that an amateur could do on the fly. But I mean, that's a lot of. I sure. mean, that's and not just going to be stitched together. Will be providing that kind of commentary from whatever the feed is. I, I had a vision in my mind of like 
armies of fan-owned drones just like invading open-aired stadiums and like trying to <laughs> create you know real-time pictures of the game uh before the before the stadium uh security drones swat them out of the air it almost becomes like a secondary game i i i, I think that's a little bit far-fetched but it's a kind of fun image in i my feel mind. like there's not going to be incentive to do that unless i mean unless it's so expensive to get access to this like tv where the you know the quality establishment uh channel is showing you you know their version of the game like unless that's you know right too expensive i don't think people are going to want to pirate it what i do think might be incentivized is i guess people who want to well actually people who are part of the competitive sports environment in some way either players and coaches or gamblers Sure. Are going to actually, I think, probably be more incentivized to have these drones flying around picking up Gambler drones minute really information about uh, the game that, you know, you wouldn't normally know, like about how well people play and like how right. what their stance is and well, like, like trying what their to read, injuries um, they might have. And, yeah, read the physical condition of the players in order to make advanced bets. Uh, but that wouldn't change, I think, the, the subsidization model for television. So I think television is relatively safe. Uh, the, the other thing I thought that might defeat this, uh, this funding stream for TV is sports losing popularity overall. Like if the NFL and the yeah, NBA... Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, exactly. Stop being... So, 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 you know, I, I, I don't think it's very likely. Uh, the one thing I could think of is maybe immersive spectator video games could encroach on that territory i think we'll have the, i think um, there's going to be a big room for a, all this stuff you know i think like sure. we'll have the nfl and i'm sure we'll have uh you know there already are spectator video games there's not a, it's not a huge market but i think it'll grow but right. i think you know i don't think it's going to actually cut into the traditional well, the question is market. in 10 years do we think it's going to become big enough to threaten nfl i don't think so uh but i recognize it's a possibility am i uh, sure. a, a remote possibility it's a it's a long shot i i don't i see them both coexisting and probably not cannibalizing each other so that's my basic prediction so then the next thing i want to talk about is what might happen 10 years from now so let's assume that it is 2023 and for the last 10 years despite uh pretty rapid advances elsewhere uh television has remained basically like how it is now with more channels and more content and more stuff uh but basically uh uh, still a flow-based system where there's some amount of on-demand access uh, and and quite a lot of serialized content. Uh, and these are, these contracts expire. Now, my prediction is that by 10 years from now, groups like the NFL are going to realize that they're sitting on a gold mine and they're going to implement their own uh, spontaneous dissemination strategies that go straight to the consumer. Why should they sell these concessions to CBS uh, if they can use the internet uh, to go straight to everyone who wants this stuff. Exactly. I'm surprised that there really isn't more of that uh, in in happening in general. But I guess it takes a while, like you said, for contracts to ex- expire in well, particular. Yeah. I yeah. mean, this is, a, this is a multi-billion dollar contract. There's no way they can get out of it without a, a serious legal fight. I think, you know, it's going to take one of the leagues, uh, one of the smaller leagues that has shorter exclusivity uh, deals to do it first. Um, my, my money's on Major League Baseball just because they've been the most uh, aggressive about getting the games online, but who knows who it's going to be. Whoever sees this opportunity first and does it, I think is going to make a boatload of money and it's going to encourage the others to follow suit. So, so what you're saying is you'll, you'll point your computer box to NFL.com and they will directly serve you exactly uh, this expensively produced, well-photographed, cutting-edge uh, visuals of the game as it's happening. Right, but of with course, whatever the modern technology is. So maybe you'll be able to do all kinds of crazy things. But yeah, exactly. But they'll have enough viewership to support that expense. 
Correct. Right, because there's so many sports fans out there that need to see the game right. when it comes and out. And so much of this can be built on yeah. existing backbones. So maybe they hire, you know, Akamai or somebody to do their video relays. Uh, but basically, they're they don't need to pay uh, ESPN or or CBS or or rather take money from those places for exclusive rights. They can cut them out of the deal. And then, you know, I'm assuming that we're going to be in a, a, you know, far past uh, net neutrality uh, world at that time. So they'll do a deal, a straight deal with the ISPs, whoever they They'll are. Have really fast for, playback. For just, yeah, top tier, top tier playback because they're going to be the most important thing on the network, you know. And, uh, and they will completely undercut, uh, I think, this content uh, generation model. I think at that moment, we're going to see a massive crash in uh, the, you know, uh, television uh, production model uh, because all of the upfront money that's subsidizing all this production is just going to evaporate overnight. It's all going to go straight into the leagues um, who arguably are creating the value. I mean, uh, as not much of a sports fan myself, I, I can admit that uh, clearly they're what's popular. And, um, and I think what's going to happen then in television is it's going to rapidly unbundle. So you're going to have drastic pressure for the most popular shows um, to break off. Like to go a, on their own, yeah. Like a Walking Dead or a Mad Men, uh, if it leaves AMC, uh, AMC sinks, but Walking Dead or Mad Men's fine. And, well, and because they can, produ- they can support their production budget with their viewership. Uh, but, but most of what's on TV these days can't. Now, what do you, about, do you think about this as a bit slightly a tangent but if you're talking about one of these sort of prestige uh narrative shows that's expensive to produce and uh but has high high highish ratings yeah they have highish ratings they do fairly well and they have a core audience that's very enthusiastic right like one way that i've imagined that model could go uh is that they they set up their own direct website Right. right where they're streaming their own content and it uh let's say they produce a whole season that's very lightly ad supported but is like otherwise completely free and i mean like maybe they have like one big sponsor that's like you know a major one sort of off to the side of their website to sort of like help carry them through this first season right and but really the first season is free and it's free in perpetuity online so that anyone who any finds out about the show at any moment can watch it and then the second you finish the first season which ends on a tremendous cliffhanger right when you're absolutely hooked that's when it asks for your credit card. Right, right. right. Which, and says, and I think that's probably, to me, I was thinking about that's the best point to monetize sure. your show, right? Sure. That is the best point to ask people for money. Now, whether that can actually defeat, you know, web rip piracy uh, or not, I don't know. But, uh, but that seems better than, you know, trying to charge before season one. It seems like oh, you hook them. I agree. Them. I agree. I think that it makes sense to, uh, to, to hook people in and then at the last possible minute uh, ask them for money. Or, you know, to just make the whole thing for free and have it all be ad-supported or otherwise supported by, uh, by a patron uh, who has their own agenda. Uh, and I definitely think what's going to happen is they're going to have a massive bifurcation in TV budgets, much like we've seen in film recently, where uh, we have the big $100 million movies getting made and we have uh, micro-budget movies getting made and, you know, sub-million dollar uh, uh, genre movies. But there's nothing in the middle anymore. That that middle has just been hollowed out. As Tyler Cowen would say, average is over. Average is over. And I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. So we'll see, I think, a massive amount of, like, reality, documentary, other things, and then a few big things that are like the Mad Men or Walking Dead or, or Breaking Bads, the sort of um, prestige uh, pieces that are expensive but also have... 
uh, a rabid following and that you're going to find that the middling content that there's a lot of on TV now, which provides a lot of the variety on TV, that's going to go away, I think, pretty rapidly at that point. Another thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a massive shift in who gets to show you things. So as the channels disintermediate, they become completely irrelevant. They basically disintegrate. CBS and AMC and HBO stop meaning anything. Uh, and instead, uh, curators and aggregators like YouTube, Netflix, uh, anybody who's got a good algorithm that can suggest what you might want to watch next are going to get a lot more uh, powerful. Oh, I'm just fascinated by this idea of you know using suspense uh, as a tool to extract money from people <laughs> uh, in right. a, in an abundant digital Talking environment. About artificial scarcity, right? You you just ask a question that only you know the answer to, uh, and leave the person wondering. Oh, you want the answer? Well, in some sense, the scarcity is convenience, but you create this like really intense like feeling where like yeah, okay, I could pirate it, but I just want to know what happens next right now, and right. and you make it so easy if I just pay. Two dollars or whatever it is, right? Right. Well, and I think the key then is making it as easy as possible. Like one click and you're paid, you know. Um, but yeah, that is a really interesting idea. I like the idea of using a narrative <laughs> um, to directly to charge people. Um, and I really think, uh, you know, as it as it goes on, this um, this model of uh, of de-channelizing or whatever you want to call it, unbundling the channels, uh, really does turn all of TV into uh, a subset of, of, of web series. Um, it, it makes everything into a web series. Uh, and I think it will eventually just erode this definition of TV. I mean, right now, I think there's really a, uh, a clear feeling of I'm watching TV when you're watching a television series or even like House of Cards on Netflix that's real different from if you're watching, you know, um, Thumbs Up America or something like a web series that uh, might be high quality. And I think that that will just disappear after, after a, a time uh, of this. Possible. Uh, well, I mean, if the network neutrality thing gets taken to an extreme, though, right, then you have maybe only a few companies with sort of like monopolistic exclusive deals with the cable lines to get decent speeds. And then that could lead back to some sort of channelized bundling, right? It could. Yeah, that's a possible defeater of that vision. Uh, I guess I don't think people are going to tolerate that. I think obviously there'll be tiering, but I think uh, the, the, the tyranny that's going to come from that lack of net neutrality, I think is more likely to be you'll just never find out about some stuff. You won't really know why, and it'll be, be because it never sort of got in front of you. Um, but that there'll be a, still like a lot of media channels, even if they're all owned by a few companies like we have now, that are sort of, you know, throwing lots and lots of content out there uh, in order to, you know, keep everyone distracted. But it depends what the price point is to sure. get decent service from the cable companies, right? If that could be a really huge barrier to entry for like your amateur, smallish TV show that could maybe thrive off of a niche audience and its low production budget, uh but, you know, it can't afford to sort of pay to be streamed at a decent speed with the cable companies if they're being really uh, aggressive with the sort of... Right. No, I mean, that's possible. It's just a matter of whether... network stuff. Well, I mean, and it, it depends on who owns this backbone. But if, if it's kind of like it is now and there's just a few companies that own all the backbone, they're going to have to watch out for regulators and they're going to have to make sure that people don't get too angry with them. So I, I'm guessing that's not going to get that draconian, but... Certainly, there'll be some uh, 
advantage for for legacy players here. And I, I'm not suggesting that this intermediation will um, will you know uh, end corporate uh, involvement in media by by any stretch. I think it'll just change it so that the the channels, which now have a lot of power, will have a lot less, and uh, companies like YouTube and Netflix will have a lot more. Okay, um, so so if I can sum up what you've said here, sure. basically, there's the television right now. You're saying is being subsidized by sports. Yeah, that's only going to last maybe another ten years. I, I think that's guaranteed to last about ten years, which is shocking. But yeah, I don't think it'll last past then. I'm surprised it's going to be that long. Right. Well, because you know people have been predicting the death of this television model for a while, for a long time, and I Including think they haven't been <laughs> asking. And yeah, and I've been asking myself why hasn't it happened yet? And this is the only answer I've been able to come to that actually makes sense. Is that there's this massive subsidy pouring in and it's stable, but it won't be stable forever, I don't think. And then after that, there's going to be sort of this like disintermediation with you know a few superstar players, just like every other industry, and uh, a lot of amateur niche players. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, you know w- whether or not that's going to be corporatized or not, I don't know, but there, we're definitely going to see it bifurcate in the same way that many other industries have already bifurcated. And I think the reason we haven't seen that yet is exactly that. It's the sports subsidy that's in there. And I think if we want to talk a bit about what's going to happen over the course of the next 10 years as this happens, uh, you know, some of the things we've already mentioned are going to, those trends are going to continue. There'll be fewer commercials and more product placement because that's about this uh, TiVoing. You know, as flow gets challenged by technology, uh, we are going to put more of the advertising content into the product. Um, also like you know flow that's powered well by these recommendation algorithms which right. still aren't that great right now they're not working uh, that well but could we can offer imagine like well. yeah. a very futuristic television viewing experience that uh is almost like a tremendous mind hack where you're just constantly being shown stuff that's very well tailored to you uh, that it, it transitions into the next thing so fast that like you can never quite get up off the couch. Right. Well, this is the promise of like Facebook TV, right? Like, can you imagine like if somebody who knew you as well as Facebook knows you also somehow knew all the world's media in a similar way and could just throw you, th- you know, th- the best mix of things you like, things your friends talk about, things you have heard of but never seen. <laughs> Right. It, it could know all that ahead of time. I mean, obviously, we don't have that now, but I, I think something that while, did know yeah. that could be just so compelling. Uh, it starts to be like in that uh, David Foster Wallace right. book, Infinite Jest. Uh, there's this the entertainment. The entertainment yeah. is this uh, imaginary movie that's so. Is it a movie? It's just a single movie, it's right? It's a film. Yeah, it's so compelling it's like that people film. watch it on on repeat, and they 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 pee themselves, and they don't eat, and they eventually just wither away and yeah, die. Yeah, they just stop <laughs> moving. Like upon seeing it, they're completely entranced, and then they die. Yeah, you can imagine like a, a sort of literal entertainment uh, coming from from really good recommendation algorithms combined with TV style flow. And I think the last thing is that as television as a concept is just bombarded on all sides by other kinds of ways of spending your time, uh, most importantly games, but also other things. Uh, I think there's just going to be more and more desperate innovation in the television space to try to keep viewers That's interested. true, but I think, you know, there's th- the fact that television, again, in a good flow state offers a passive experience will always give it a place that's independent of, say, games, right? Which are... Uh, which are active. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and I think that's uh, the comparative advantage, actually, of television, and it will do well to remember that. Right. Uh, which I think tweeting at the news is exactly the wrong way to try to make TV relevant to people who oh, play games. Oh, that's so annoying. Like, yeah, tweet uh, your feedback, get involved, come on our forums and stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah it's like, that's not what television does well. If we if we wanted that, we'd be on a website. We wouldn't want your damn TV network. And right. I think, you know, what TV can do so well is exactly, it can see it can sense ahead what you want give it to you in an enticing way and keep you entertained without your interaction, which if it can continue to do that, I think it will continue to have a place in society. But if it just tries to be a worse version of games, it's going to get beat. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so anyway, that's my idea of, uh, about the future of television. It's a little bit less out there than some of our uh, other podcasts. But we thought we'd do something light today. Um, well, after the last two episodes, which yeah, were kind of heavy. Everyone deserved a break. Uh, so uh, let us know what you think about it and um, we'll, we'll see you next week see you then to subscribe or leave a comment on this episode please visit reviewthefuture.com you can also send emails to feedback at reviewthefuture.com thanks for listening <laughs>